welcome to Funny Business, a podcast for free thinkers. I'm Robbie Hicks. And I'm Lockie Bradford. On today's episode, we have the human megaphone for Gen Z. Z? Z? What is it? You can say it however you want to. I don't know. I don't know what the Aussie sort of term is, but uh, it's Yasmin Paul, award-winning speaker, writer, and youth advocate. Unreal. I love this chat. How inspiring a human is Yasmin? Well, just, mate, I just... Yeah. Authentic. Authentic. That's what it all comes down to. And you know what? We were talking a bit beforehand. It's like, well, this is, I don't, I don't know if you'd class Yasmin as a politician, maybe politician in waiting, in waiting, I would say the future prime minister, if we're being totally honest, but always wondered what politicians, how they are during interviews. Cause we've never interviewed or I've never met a politician or anyone who's involved in any of that type of decision-making. So I was honestly trying to poke holes in stories a little bit and, she is the real deal. Honestly, the real deal blew me away. You can understand. I just, she's going to be a, she is a role model. She's the future role model for many people to come. And she's just so inspiring, speaks her truth, passionate about what she does. We feel privileged that she agreed to come on and have a chat with us. So, hey, enjoy it. So I suppose we'll kick it off with a, with a pretty simple one like we always do. What, what's been happening in your world? lately well in terms of actual movement wise i'm happy here in melbourne so i'm in lockdowns at the moment so not much has been happening there it's been a lot of working for my room but in terms of what's been going on a lot of cool stuff i've joined a board a few weeks ago and that's been really fun to navigate that um and kind of you know doing taking the work up to another another level i guess so that's been really harvest is that that's right with Oz harvest yeah so i just just joined their board. So they're a food rescue charity and they focus on, um, you know, basically ensuring that not only are we fixing food waste, but we're getting food to the most vulnerable people across Australia. And that's been really fun to explore. So doing that and kind of media engagement and, and speaking a lot about, you know, the role of COVID and how it's impacted young people. And apart from that, a lot of uni, to be quite honest, the less glamorous side of it all. <laughs> You're a busy human. What's um what's the lady's name who's who founded Oz Harvest? I was at Pause Fest earlier this year and heard it. I was lucky enough to hear her speak. I've gone completely blank on what her name is. Which Ronnie is, Khan. Ronnie Khan. She's yeah. a, she's really really passionate. She's a cool human and like her story and how she tells it and what what Oz Harvest meant and just like the deeper meaning behind like even food waste as a as an element of climate change. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, you're going shit. Yeah. Ronnie, exactly. Ronnie, you, I like what you... I'm like. picking up what you're putting down, Ronnie. You're, speak, <laughs> yeah. you're speaking my language. That's right. I think that's what's cool about it because I think when we talk about climate change, people can feel really overwhelmed. Young people or, you know, those that... Even when you think about people that deny climate change, I think a lot of it really comes from fear. And because it's such a big and scary problem that people just prefer to think, oh, it doesn't exist and it isn't real. But what's really cool about Oz Harvest is that it actually says, hey, this is a you know, pretty actionable way that we can address climate change in a way that doesn't just require persuading politicians to listen to us. And for me, I think my my goal going into this is how do we get young people thinking about these solutions? Because young people are calling for climate action all the time, but we're just not being listened to. So how do we take it into our own hands and actually make a difference? And what Oz Harvest does is that they don't only, you know, do food rescue. They also do workshops for young people, disadvantaged young people, and, you know, teaching them how to cook and teaching them 
how to, you know, enter into hospitality or, you know, working with refugees and teaching them about food and kind of, you know, organic food and healthy food and, and what that looks like. So there's a whole lot of scope outside of government to, to do really cool work. And I think that's what's great about Ronnie because she really, she genuinely, I say this from the heart, she really leads with gratitude and she leads with a lot of love. And I think that's really, you know, what businesses need to think about going forward. You know, and it's just the basic things of how do we lead with those qualities? And I think that's what Oz Harvest does every day. And I already feel that as someone that's just recently joined. How cool is that? Yeah, I can, I can tell you right now, when I, after listening to her speak, it's funny enough because my, my friend Tam was, was on after her on the stage and she actually sat next to us. She came off the stage and sat down. I was like, fuck, that was really good. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. <laughs> yeah, no, she's awesome. I totally agree. I totally agree. <laughs> uh, so what, we, we were doing some stalking and on your website calls you, you're called human megaphone for Gen Z. Like, h- how did you get that label? Yeah, it's a pretty funny label. My friends make fun of me all the time for it. They say, uh, what do you mean you're a megaphone? I'm like, leave me alone. It's the metaphor. Um, So basically how that came about is, um, it actually ties back into Ozharvest, funnily enough. I was um, at a conference at something called the Space Conference last year. And the idea is that it's a bunch of people from all different backgrounds, all walks of life. Um, so, you know, there were young, young and old, those that were, you know, I met an astronaut, a geologist, musicians, um, you know, people in marketing all the way to, you know, just, just every single person from like basically every walk of life that's really leading in their work. And the question they asked was, what's your superpower? That instead of saying, you know, what's your job title? Because we were instructed not to ask, what is your job title? So we had to kind of introduce with something creative and I thought about what I do and I do a lot of different stuff, but if anything, you know, in my capacity as one person, I like to think my work amplifies the voice of young people. So I thought, Hey, you know, if anything, I I could, you know, pick some really boring answer, but in a way I feel like I am a human megaphone because I think a lot of my work is not saying, don't just listen to me. I really want, politicians or businesses or whatever to really create space and create space for women and people of color and and all kinds of diversity so that's how the megaphone thing came about does it come attached with like pressures associated with it like do you feel like you're so young you're doing such amazing things do you feel a burden on your shoulders about i guess the weight of the challenge that you've taken up think so I I really feel like genuinely it feels like a privilege and the reason why I say that is that growing up and I this is me growing up with a lot from a low-income background you know with a family that was was struggling to make ends meet and when you're in that space as a young person it can be really hard to feel empowered and for a really long time you know when I was when I was in high school and even you know the lack of access to opportunity and just feeling really frustrated about the state of things I didn't feel like I had a voice, let alone was a megaphone. So the fact that I can have this platform now is really incredible because only a few years ago, really only a few years ago, I was working minimum wage in retail and was thinking, what the hell do I want to do? And also, you know, what, what kind of impact do I want to create? And to be here now and to use my, my platform to hopefully give others that come from my similar background the opportunity to be passionate and be heard. I think is something that it doesn't intimidate me. And I certainly don't speak for every young person. It's something I always emphasize. Young people are super diverse in the way they think. And I learned so much from all different kinds of young people. I don't always agree. And I agree with some, and that's, you know, the part of diversity. But the point for me is to really emphasize the value of young people in these conversations. The fact that we're risk-taking and open-minded and 
innovative and bold and like willing to push the status quo that's the power of young people so i don't feel intimidated by that i think it's an honor to be part of the process in a way i love that it's a bit rock and roll you know what i mean it's a bit punk rock it's a bit i'm feeling it i'm feeling it it's no one's ever called me punk rock but i'll take that <laughs> it is it's a bit badass you know what i mean like it is like the younger generation coming through because we were just talking before we come on air about our generation and robbie thinks people don't even care about us the gen the gen y kids i don't think we're i don't think we're important to the conversation i think gen z are doing all the arguments the boomers are up there running the show at the moment and we're just we're the brokers we're just doing our thing we're know? just floating well, what's Gen Y again? Because I'm because I was looking at a report the other day and it classified youth as under age thirty four. So you know, there's some wiggle room. I, I don't really know, but is we is Gen Y the millennial? We're, hey, we we're, can be a bit rock and roll. That's it. We're in. We're rock and roll. Join the band. It's we'll all welcome. <laughs> no, but it, it honestly, like the guy, like it just it seems like a lack of fear now, especially with all social media and stuff. Um, I know back in the day, you know, you had to really there's different avenues to, to find your voice, but now with social media and the profiles you can create, the way you can represent yourself, the thoughts that you can just sort of share, we're seeing a bit more people speak their mind and um, share different ideas and people coming together online and, and really, you know, engaging that community. How, how have you sort of seen it play out? Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I think that what's pretty cool about social media is, is that for gener every single young generation doesn't feel heard. This is this is something I hear over and over again. I've heard older people say, "Don't." I always feel this. I felt this way growing up too. This isn't a unique thing. But to me, I say, "Well, if we've always known this. How do we actually fix it? Why this isn't a rite of passage? How do we actually capitalize on the voices of youth?" And social media, in its imperfect way has made space for young people and you can see that with the school strike for climate or black lives matter or the real movements that was dominated by young people and the voices of young people that often don't get any place in the media or kind of traditional media frameworks and if anything the way that i feel more intimidated speaking to young people than older people because i think young people can really see through it 100%. and they can they can 100%. really tell straight away the authenticity and i remember I was doing a speech for International Women's Day and in the beginning of my path, I think I was just like other young people, I was pretty scared about saying straight out my opinions because it's pretty intimidating when thinking about, you know, if I'm talking about sexism and gender, I'd want to totally go all in. But, you know, what if I'm just scared of what if this gets used against me in the future? And I was kind of going through that and I kind of presented a really safe discussion i kind of didn't take any sides and it was very nice it did the job but it really wasn't like authentic to what i believed and to the audience i was like i could just i could tell that it was because it was all young people i could tell that they were like you could do a bit better than this like we know that there's some there's more beneath this story so i think young people have actually motivated me in a way as a fellow young person to really speak my mind because I think that is what young people do. And I think they're really disillusioned with the kind of language that politicians use and the way that politicians sidestep problems or they really, they really just don't take on board the reality of the issues we face, you know, from climate change to the fact that our education systems is outdated. There's a long way that they need to go. And young people are saying, hurry up and do it, to be quite so honest. They're impatient too. And I, I think that comes from... Like I was talking about this yesterday about people who grew up as technology natives. So people who who grew up in the generation where the information, if they want to do stuff, they can do it as quick as possible. They've got people who are sitting in positions of power who like they move slow. They might not, they may not think they're moving slow, but compared to what the generation below them thinks 
they want the speed of change to happen at, it's a snail's pace. And I, I think that's going to be all a doing ma- things to, to realign with their inner youth and trying to, they're, they're, you're experimenting in that but, sense. But, it's weird. But, yeah. they're, they're, but when you talk about their language and they talk and you see how they respond and say things, it's a bit like, I'm so bored of not seeing the truth. You know yeah. what I mean? Like I, I'm sick of reading things. If I have to read things and read the news and keep up to date, like at least just tell me the truth. You know what I mean? I'm a big boy. Yeah. F- fill me in. Exactly. And I think, the thing is, I remember I did a program called Girls Take Over Parliament and you shadowed an MP for the day. And it was the first time I really had the chance to see how politics operated. And I think there's some truth in that politicians often can handle things not the best way. But I also did see some politicians that were working really hard and really passionately around, you know, workers' rights or, or that kind of space. They were, they were doing good work. And I was thinking, I was like, well, why is there this gap? Like young people are always on the outside shouting and there are politicians inside that, you know, think that this is just the way it has to be and aren't listening to young people. You know, where's the bridge? And I think the first obvious answer is that we need young people in the institution because there are still barriers to making change incredibly fast. I get that. You know, young people aren't totally, like they, they know that we have to be practical as well in the way that we handle these these issues. The problem is that the, the voices and the frustration of young people isn't being heard at all by decision makers, to be honest. It's not really being listened to. So we need young people as politicians, but also we need ways in, polit- like in politics itself, like a federal youth advisory board or ways that young people can actually be listened to. And I think that's really the first step to kind of mending the frustration because of course young people are frustrated if they feel like they're not represented and they're not seeing themselves at all. I, wouldn't, wouldn't anyone be frustrated seeing, you know, you know well, they're not easy to deal with. There's pushback, you know what I mean? They're challenging different things. They don't just take things anymore. They don't just take rules and, and that sort of thing. They think about things a lot deeper because they have the information, they have the resources available. So you like you said, it's, I just think it's like the, the chef thing, you know what I mean? Like, why chefs treat other pitch, like apprentice chefs so bad. I've went through it. So that's what you got to cop kind of thing. It feels like that's just done now. You know what I mean? Like really we got to move on from that mentality. And it just, it just goes to show like, yeah, when you, when you are young and you, you feel like you, you are shouting a lot and no one's hearing. So, you know what I mean, you're, you're taking on an amazing, amazing burden. I think for, for the young. I see as well. I'm a bit, I'm a bit nervous. I'd, I'd be a bit scared being you. It's hard. It must be hard. I don't know. It doesn't, it doesn't feel hard. I think because it feels so true to what I'm passionate about. Yeah. And if this was something like I was taking on this massive thing about trade or even I get asked about international relations sometimes and I get a bit intimidated because I'm not an expert in this space, but what's cool about young people and what's cool about youth policies is I always say it's young people's lived experience of the problem. It doesn't have to be a degree. It doesn't have to be a certain school that you go to. Young people's lived experience is valuable no matter where you come from. So I kind of ground myself in that as a young person because my experiences of the system or my views should also be heard just like, you know, all other generations. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not that I have like a degree in, in young people, but I'm speaking my truth. So to me, if I can do that, that's something that doesn't scare me. And I'd be much actually more scared trying to toe the line and be afraid of what, you know, what certain people want to hear or whatever. That part is more intimidating, actually. And one thing we talk a lot about is authenticity resonates. And if you can be true and you can be real, one, you'll sleep well at night, and two, you'll feel good about what you're doing. It's easier. It's way easier. You don't have to try to pretend. You're not wearing a mask or a costume. You're just you, and you're going out there and doing your thing. Exactly. That's what I try to do. 
how, how did you get into it? Like, I, honestly, like the next generation, I look at you trying to push people to be involved. I look at politics and go, how do you like to entice the next generation? Like, it's not how sexy can you make it? <laughs> you know, For these young yeah. people who want to just like, they grow up, they see everything at their fingertips. And it's like, I think I can do any in the, anything in the world. I'm going to challenge this. I'm not fearful. I want to take risks. And it's like, Hey, come and be involved in being part of the make solution. Some change, make yeah. some change. How do you, how do you help people down that avenue? Mm, good question. For me, I think it was a process of figuring that out myself more than anything. And I remember I took a gap year after I graduated high school and um, I had about a year and it was just me trying to earn enough money for university. So I was, like I said before, I was working in retail and I was just doing my thing. And I was like, this really sucks. Like I was like, there's, there's, there's more to in what I wanted to do. I was like, this just doesn't feel pretty fulfilling to be honest. I was coming home every night and just, just working. And that was it. And I thought I was brand new to Melbourne, you know, just moved down from the Gold Coast. And I was like, I'm going to find, I'm going to at least find some friends and find some people that are cool. So I started volunteering for a couple of youth led NGOs. So it was all young people under the age of 25, including the CEO. And it was Oak Tree and the Australian Youth Climate Coalition. And what was really cool about those organizations is that it was hundreds and hundreds of young people organizing, lobbying, like planning campaigns, calling up more young people to get them involved and just stuff that they were really passionate about. The first time I was like, oh, like I could do something. And it was, and this is me because I, I thought that making change was something you had to graduate from and become a CEO or, you know, wear a suit to do. That's just, that's just, I never thought that I had the, the license or the, you know, ability to actually do something. And it was, it was crazy because I was so passionate about these issues, but it's like, I was waiting for someone to tell me that I could. And I realized through that stuff that I could tell myself and I could just start. And that's really how it began. And for me, I always say that every young person has something in their life that they're passionate about and they might not know it 100%, but every person has had an experience in their time that's been either difficult or challenging or something that's even they've heard something and thought that's, hey, that's really interesting. And if that passion's already there, it's not hard to unlock it in young people, but it is giving young people the tools to say, hey, you can actually pursue and, and to even if you don't have to make it a job but if you're interested in it you know to start getting involved in that space and as an example a couple of years ago I led something called the Victorian government's youth congress so it was the youth advisory board for the Victorian government and this was 20 young people from you know, refugee backgrounds indigenous backgrounds um, disability you know you name it people that have been shunned shunned from the system through most of their life and it was giving them the chance to say, what do you guys actually want to see changed in youth policy? And that was all you need to empower a young person to say, actually, what do you think about this? What do you care about? What would you like to change? So it's not really a case of motivating young people. It's just giving them the tools to realize that they can start. And that's really all you need. Your voice is heard. Here you exactly. go. Here's a microphone. We're listening. Exactly. Right. That's insane. I want to talk about community engagement. Like... How do you engage a community? Oh, selfish question. For, for me, because oh, no, I, selfish question. it is a selfish question. It is a selfish. I started a, a new job as a community lead. So I'm banking on you for these tips. So um, no I've got my success out. is down to you. It's so, down to you. No so, pressure. No pressure. 
I think, I mean, I've been able to engage with community in a lot of different ways. So it's kind of hard to say this is exactly how you do it. Um, but at least even from an NGO base, I think the first thing is vision. And I think that's the most fundamental ingredient to really getting people behind and, and motivated and interested. And if you, for a perfect example of community engagement is the, um, the, the marriage equality vote. And the fact that so many young people, a crazy amount, I can't remember the percentage, signed up to vote. And that was a, a vision of equality. And it was a clear and simple and understandable message. And people were said, you know, that's fair enough. I can get on board. So I think it really starts with painting that picture, if anything, um, and kind of, you know, making people feel like they are part of that community. And that was something that I felt even starting on my gap year and joining, you know, I joined the, the NGOs to really also find people that thought similar to me. And I think that's also how you take people from the next step from just interested to actually actively engaged to really create that sense of community and the, the sense of, you know, I'm part of this group and, and we're together. And I think the exact same can go for Oz Harvest. They refer to themselves as a family and that's really how it feels. So to not, so I think making the, the message really clear and, and making the vision really clear, but also making it something that welcomes everybody and making that really really clear in terms of the, the message and the feeling even um, within the organization or whatever. And I think that's really the, the, the best part of creating change. You create this amazing network of really driven, passionate and awesome people that can throw different ideas into the mix. So kind of opening and extending your arms is the best way to engage the community that can really see and feel that. That was absolutely yeah, Speaking our language there. Oh my God. Building yeah. meaningful connections. Building meaningful connections is like ever since we started the podcast, we already, we already knew it was like that, but to actually like see it play out in real time and go, wow, that is really the key to everything, isn't it? It's really the personal connection. It's the meaningful connection. It's understanding people um, because that's what it all comes down to. Like it doesn't matter if it's business, sport, politics, we're all humans, you know, it's the ability to connect. hundred percent. That's right. For sure. What are your biggest surprises you've experienced so far? since being on your journey doing what you're doing hmm. anything that you've gone like anything's happened just blown your mind and be like fuck didn't know that's how it worked hmm. um something that surprised me huh i mean i think things that have surprised me i think it's i mean what i what i've enjoyed you know learning from from young people i guess is is seeing just how everybody has a story and I think I've really enjoyed kind of uncovering that because, you know, going into life, it's so easy to kind of pass through and not really, you know, listen and learn. But even from speaking to young people in, in this process, it really doesn't matter what background you come from. It really doesn't matter what job you have. There's always something special and interesting and meaningful about someone's experience. And I think that's something that I've really resonated with. So I think there's that. Um, the second part for me is just how it kind of comes off that actually is just how much my experiences of the hardships have given me strength. It really, and I know that sounds a bit cliche because it's saying you will grow and learn, but it's really true because growing up, you know, going through, and, and I often talk about seeing my mom, you know, and experiences of racism and again, like low income background and not really having ever really having enough money and all of that, all of that stuff was really difficult but it really is the heart of everything that I do. And I never thought that would stick with me so much, but it has throughout 
as much as I've changed and as much as I've evolved and as much as I will evolve, I know that's something that will always be a part of my journey for the rest of my life. So I think it's been cool to just see how that kind of endures throughout everything that I decide to do and it, how it really shapes my view around the world and, and how much power there is in that. So I think that surprised me as well. But um, I guess, and then the final thing is just like, life is crazy. <laughs> Um, I never would have expected to be doing what I'm doing. Never in a million years. This all started because I was saying, surely there's more to what I'm doing at the moment. You know, just just working. Surely there's more. And it started with a, a really simple curiosity and just a desire to do something. And it created this massive roller coaster ride. So, in a way, that surprises me every day because I look at the work that I do and I actually get surprised. And I'm like, this is really cool. And I never would have expected to be here. We spoke to Laura Henshaw about imposter syndrome. It's something I've felt before. Um, Is that something that a lot of young people feel sometimes when they're thrown into an environment where it might not, like when you're growing, it's always a bit uncomfortable. So Mm -hmm. I feel like there's always an element of imposter syndrome with whatever you're doing, but it's about having the confidence and the belief in yourself to sort of pull through it. But I just wanted to hear your take on imposter syndrome and if, if that's, you know, if that's something you, yeah, if that's something that you felt before. <laughs> oh, yeah. We got 100%. That. Yeah, I definitely do. I, but interestingly, the real times that I felt imposter syndrome is when I feel like people overlook me and I just feel small and insignificant. I don't feel imposter syndrome if people are, you know, despite me being young or whatever, are interested to learn and I'm interested to learn about them and we're talking and we're, we're having a really great chat. That's not when I feel imposter syndrome. I feel it, I think, when others are kind of making face value assumptions. And I've already felt that, you know, I could be standing in a circle. I remember I was like, you know, a couple, even last year, I was standing in a circle of like more high profile businessmen. And I think they just saw me as like this short, you know, girl, and they, they literally, they didn't even make eye contact with me. They would look around the circle and it was like, I wasn't even there. Um, and every time I would speak, they'd look a bit surprised. They'd be like, why is she, is she the intern? Like, what, what is she doing here? So it, it's those experiences I think that used to dissuade me. Um, now I kind of just don't care because I'm like, actually, I like to think that I can give input into this conversation here. Um, and I kind of push through anyway. And if they really aren't interested, then, you know, I move on. But I do think it all comes down to that confidence. And I think it's because I've been in more and more spaces like that, that I did, I do build a resilience. But I think at the beginning, I was, I, I used to introduce myself as I'm Yasmin. I'm just a university student. That's what I used to say. And I had a woman, she said, don't say that. Don't say you're just a university student. That's fine. You know, you don't have to make it a thing you're embarrassed about. So for me, it was overcoming this idea of, oh, I'm just like a kid with all these older people and realizing that there's just as much, you know, cool things to say and and give input to. And that was what was actually quite cool about space. Um, The conference that I mentioned, there really wasn't a feeling of imposter syndrome because we realized that our differences were strengths because it was all about having cool conversations with different people and people were going in with an open mind. So if anything, imposter syndrome, I think, is maybe a feeling of what the environment feels like at the time, not only you. 100% agree on that. Oh, my God. Do you do do the WWE entrance now? Yeah, there's (laughs) a bit of swag now, isn't there? (laughs) Walking like the rock star. Hello, hello. Yasmin here. Thank you very much. I'm not quite sure about that one. I think that one's a bit over the top. I think people would judge me and I wouldn't really blame them for it. That's right. But I think, honestly, though, the key that you were saying is, like, keep putting yourself in them situations because 
that's you grow and learn in them situations, especially if you've felt that before. Even if you haven't, you just like you're saying, you build that resilience. You put yourself in them uncomfortable situations, and I it's just a mental mindset. I think for me, anyway, personally, mm. it's just like if I'm in a situation where I feel a bit, oh, I'm the youngest one here. I'm I'm kind of excited. It's adrenaline because it's like, oh, this is going to be fun. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like everyone's very the same same, but I'm a bit different. Yeah. Which, which yeah, like you're embrace saying, it. Embrace it. Yeah, and yeah. and really show that that's what you're about. Yeah. I love that. Exactly. And I think it's also like, you don't have to realize that you have to like own or dominate the room. This is like talking about networking. Now, I remember two years ago, I interned with this organization and they hosted, it was this through this chance and this luck, it was totally not normal for the organization either, but they hosted an event with Anna Wintour, who's the editor of Vogue and one of the most like high profile fashion figures, maybe like the top of the top really. And for even the people organizing, they were like, this is totally over my head. And I remember I went to the event and it was, fashion is not my thing, obviously. Like it's about young people. So it's totally new for me. And there were all these high profile fashion and business figures. And I totally lost my confidence. Like I was like, I'm just, you know, I'm just the intern. What what the hell am I going to say? And looking back, I mean, I can totally see why I felt that way. And I wouldn't necessarily get barge into conversations and be like, listen to me. And I demand to be heard. But interestingly, I at least had the confidence to speak to one person and we had a really great chat. And actually from that, I met his wife who does fantastic work around women in leadership. And they're actually funding now my board training for Oz Harvest because she's working with this foundation. And that was only because I was like, I feel a bit embarrassed and I don't really know what to do. So this is a nice, friendly person. Let's have a really cool chat. And that's what it led to. So it isn't a case of, you know, kind of doing that awkward thing of circling the room and feeling it if it feels uncomfortable to you you don't have to do that either it's all about again the authenticity and the genuineness and if certain people want to listen and certain people don't then that's how it is and just make the most of of whatever opportunity you're given and that just that that was a good lesson for me I guess in in doing that yeah look you made a friend and now you're getting advice on around the board stuff meaningful connections honestly it's about finding the people that you connect with in your tribe and and people genuinely want to help other people out I feel like like it's human nature. It's human nature. When you see someone doing something good and they're providing value and they're just, I don't know, it's something you can just see it in people, you know, and you're like, Oh, I want to invest in you. Like, I don't really care what you, what's going to come out. I don't care about the product. I don't care about what you're going to do, but whatever you're going to do, I believe in you. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I feel like you'd be seeing a lot of that lately because you're putting yourself out there and there's a lot of people resonating with what you're saying. So. Yeah. um, I I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah. I think I've had a mixed bag because I've, Interesting, like I've, I've had a p- more pushback from actually people my age. And I think, unfortunately, there's a lot of competition and a lot of feeling that I have to be, I have to either be the only woman or the only young person. And it's such a, it's such a toxic, toxic mindset. But within that, and I think that's, it's just sad. Like it's a product of what happens when you don't listen to a certain group of people and they feel like they suddenly it has this toxic thing where it's like, well, I'm the only person or I struggled to get here. So I don't want to help. And it isn't just me. This is something that other young women have faced. And and that's been, you know, that's difficult as well. So there's always going to be that. But in saying that I've, I've gotten so much love and so much support from young people to old people, to women and men and everything in between. And that's something I'm, I'm super grateful for. So there's obviously going to be tougher moments for sure. Um, especially if you're putting yourself out there and speaking out, you're putting yourself on the firing line to get judgment. And that's just mm-hmm. how, it, how it goes. Um, but I've had so much strength, especially from 
a lot of women in my circle, I think, that have, have really extended their hand and, and I'm really grateful for them. You've had such an amazing journey. You talk about uh, like growth mindset or, or being able to learn and absorb new information. Where do you look to learn from? Like, do you, do you read books? Do you listen to audio books? Do you watch yeah. YouTube? Do you listen to podcasts? Obviously, do you like music? Come music. on. Like, what do you, like, what's fun? How do you, what do you learn? How do I'll get how do you learn, mate? Well, yeah. How do you, like, <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, yeah. He's had a few too many Coronas. So he wants to, he, what, what he's trying to get to is how do you learn? Like, what, what are you learning from? Who are you learning from? Um, do you consume content? Give us mm. a spill. Yeah. We'll shut up now and you go. <laughs> it's kind of a mixed bag. It's, no, it's kind of, I totally know. I totally get it. It's kind of a mixed bag, actually. I wish I could be like, I read a self-help book every night and I'm totally into all this amazing stuff. But to be honest, I don't have much time with uni and all the stuff that I'm doing. So it's kind of bits and bobs. And like a lot of it even is actually through uni. And for, for an example, I did a feminist law course last semester and it was all about how law impacts women. And for my essay, I was talking about how COVID-19 has created like really negative outcomes for women. And yet we don't talk about it. We don't talk about the fact that working from home actually um, usually embeds gender roles and how women are actually the ones to take on more household duties than men. You know, we don't talk about the fact that the majority of people excluded from welfare are women because they're casual workers. Um, we don't talk about the fact that the care industry and women on the front lines of this crisis um, are underpaid and are really devalued in society. So these are all problems. And that was such an awesome, interesting learning experience and something that I later put, took on Q&A. You know, I, I later talk, I talk about this a lot in future events and, you know, events I've spoken to businesses and young people about and all types of people. So I actually learned a lot through um, uni, which is uni gets a lot of flack in education for being kind of, you know, it's not very flexible and sometimes you do boring units and that kind of thing. But I really feel like I've given, I've had a lot of scope to explore what I'm passionate about. And even for my thesis next semester, I'm going to be looking at how do we rethink democracy in a way that actually includes the voices of people that aren't often heard? What does that look like? Like, how do we change the structure? So that's kind of guided me to, to what I'm interested in. And the second thing, I think podcasts have been really cool. Um, Thank you. My side, yeah. My side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> my favorite, you guys. I listen to you guys every day. No. Um, <laughs> You're not lying, are you? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no, um, no, I remember in the beginning of lockdown, um, this was before the Black Lives Matter stuff, but, you know, as an Asian Australian myself, I was really interested in race and I just got started and I started listening to a few podcasts and it was like the most transformative experience because I'd never really had time for, like, I never, as in, I never really made time to actively learn, you know, and taking the time to, to just, to just think about what I'm actually interested in. But it really was the start um, for me this year. I think I've done a lot of thinking around, around identity, more so in a way that I've ever done before. You know, really thinking about my role in this world and what it means. And I learned so much from it. So I think also podcasts are, are really cool. Love that. What, how, how are you jotting out your ideas and what you're... Because obviously you got a lot on. You do... Speaking, everything. Like you do everything. Just look at the website. We'll put it in the description. But like, how are you like mapping out your future and your goals and your vision and what you're chasing like what is it because like, sometimes yeah, because when you I'll... say yes to everything it could also be a detriment to what you're trying to achieve yeah so, yeah thank you for saying yes to us but how do you juggle everything <laughs> else that goes on oh i totally feel that i 
every every year I try to get a, a kind of a broad idea of what I want to do, but it always changes. Like, I, again, I never would have expected Q&A or Oz Harvest or boards and stuff. I never had that in my vision. And even the amount of public speaking I do, I wasn't expecting that at all. Um, but I think being strategic and kind of what you take on because realizing you can't say yes to everything. I think with every opportunity, it's also to think about how can I grow from this experience and will I grow? And with everything I do, I try not to do the same thing or really similar kind of things, unless I'm just super passionate about it. I really just actually want to grow. But this year has been actually pretty interesting because I'm graduating from uni next year and I'm really thinking about what do I actually want to do? And I've had so much conflicting advice. People are like, you know, go with your heart or, or, you know, do a law job first and get the foundations and whatever. And for me, this year was actually quite funny because I was applying for a lot of the kind of traditional formal roles. And I realized as I was, you know, being interviewed, they would ask about a tough experience I had. And I said, well, growing up, you know, I had a Muslim mother and I would like, I would go full on into like the emotion and they were kind of like, this is a, what we, what we, <laughs> Shit, this is not on the question list. <laughs> you know, and they were like, oh, okay, cool. Like, I'm glad you had that experience. You know, it was just, and I realized this is not the place where it will be conducive to growth. And I hear so much about people saying, build your toolkit and, you know, go in, people have told me, go into consulting and build your toolkit and, and where, and I get that but you also need to build the toolkit for the soul. And I think if I go into a job where I'm developing that toolkit so much that I lose sight of who I am, that's just as negative as going into a job that I love, but it might not be like teaching me all the business skills necessarily in the world. And it's, that's really something I feel because if anything, my success has been listening to the soul. That's really just how it's guided me. And I haven't even mapped out really what I want to do. So broadly, you know, and I'm not sure where I, how I necessarily want to move. Like I'm still really interested in government and politics and that idea of, you know, getting the people that aren't heard in the room. So even thinking about like think tanks and the way that they're creating policy, like really mm. shifting that and saying, but what about women or what about minorities or what about X, Y, Z and really kind of pushing decision makers to take it to the next level in terms of how they're thinking about policy. But that could take many different shapes and I don't know how it's going to, how it's going to evolve. So I've kind of learnt, I've, I find that there's, I've gotten myself to this platform and I'm really lucky to be there. So I'm kind of going to let it evolve naturally and just keep doing what I really care about. And that's again, like speaking about all the stuff that we were talking about and, and are talking about that, that stuff is, is where my heart is. So I, I just find that with this idea of a toolkit, it's always someone else's toolkit and it's always what's worked for them, but I want to build my own. And that's something oh, I talk about toolkits all the time. I feel like it's just no. in a loop of people talking about toolkits. <laughs> it's, like, it's funny because I, I run a program for the grads at, at my work and it's straight away you can pick the different types of people. It's like first conversation I had with someone, I'd love to learn this because they're going to give me marketable skills for my toolkit. And I was like, fucking hell, mate. <laughs> I don't even have a toolbox. <laughs> you know, where's my toolbox? <laughs> Totally. Toolkit. <laughs> but, that's, but that's how the next generation think is that and yeah. it, it's true and we we like being the forgotten generation gen y <laughs> i think we're, we're happy to be the forgotten microphone or whatever <laughs> you want to call it it's it's true it's a, it's a different way of thinking and that I, I i truly believe as we we speak passionately a lot about like growth mindset and being an environment conducive of growth and and being being an environment that allows people to fulfill their full potential mm-hmm. and i think it's going to be even more challenging for organizations to attract the talent of the next generations if they don't provide an environment that allows 
those situations or those growth opportunities to actually occur. And I, I'm, I'm interested to see how it plays out over the next few years, especially with like even big corporates, right? It's like, they've got, these are the ones that have all those programs where people come out of uni apply for and do all this sort of stuff. I don't know if I'm a grad now, I'm going, why, why would I come work for you? You know, exactly. what do you, as much as it's the there's wrong way, me- there's a deeper meaning to work now. You know what I mean? I'm choosing to do this. We've all experienced yeah. lockdown. We've all experienced what happens yeah. when everything's been taken away. Yeah. Well, now we're getting everything back. Why am I giving 40 something hours a week plus all my stress and anxiety to you? People think about time as well as money, just as, mu- just as much as money, you know, and it, it's important to your life experience. Like, I think the, like when you go around the clock and stuff, you're like, well, it doesn't really matter. It's a life. Ex- I've got one lap. Like I've got one chance. I'm so lucky to be grateful to be born. Like it's <laughs> like life experience and like you can get obsessed with growing and stuff, but like not everything I've done has been rosy. You know what I mean? I've had, ca- you know, casual jobs that you hate, but you have to go through them experiences to get, you know what I mean? Let's talk about authenticity. Have you got, can you t- tell the, tell the Jetty Surf story? Oh mate, I, nah, we can't tell this story. You can, can. you can. Well, this is, this is, well, Jetty Surf was a, obviously a surf shop. And I don't know if you know where Broadmeadows is. That's yeah. where, yeah, that's where, that's where I grew up, like Chicana, just around there. And um, I remember I applied for the job there and he's like, you know, what have you been doing this morning? I'm just, just checking the swells, man. And I'm like, there's no swells in Broadmeadows, mate. And I'm just like, yeah, <laughs> no worries. So I'm, I was a bit of a faker early, but I feel like, like I learned through faking it. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like just putting yourself out there. And um, I think for me, for my story, that's been the key of, of just, learning publicly and that's and that's getting not humiliated but it's more like people i know people talk about it i know people might not like it but it's more like growing in the public actually actually helps you know what i mean like even doing the podcast i know not every question we say is going to be the best question or but it's interesting like i look back on our first episode and it's gone we've grown so much and i'm glad we did it publicly because other people can see like you're not a gun when you start you know what i mean like you really you're nothing like you're just you're learning you know what i mean so except that you're learning and we've and we've found the perfect out too because if we continually say we're learning everything no one's going to say oh that's not good enough oh well we just learned we just learned that you know (laughs) so it's a perfect out as well but i mean like just putting it like i mean you're doing a lot of media stuff at the moment like you're growing in the public spotlight is is that journey learning part of is that something that you thought about like mapping that out in the public eye and that Mm. people are obviously going to track your career and what you what you're doing yeah it was i think for me authenticity was a real journey and i think every single person will go on that journey of trying to find out what feels natural and what actually resonates and what feels right and i remember when i first started i got my first proper job not just retail i got my it was like working in government and um i was looking at the people that were like leading and like a lot of them were like old dudes to be quite honest with you and I looked at the way they led and I was like okay that's what leadership looks like all right like you got to be like the loudest person you have to be quite like you know authoritative and really like strong handshake and all that kind of thing I was like I guess that has to be me now and that is totally the opposite of who I am you know the, with the way that I lead and what I've realized now it, a lot of it's actually like sitting back and listening and letting everyone kind of have their say and and taking it all and kind of mixing it together and saying all right how about this and kind of bringing it in that collab like that collaborative aspect versus kind of the like the loudest voice that's just if anything like I'm one of the quietest voices until I feel like okay I really should say this and a lot of that actually I've through my work I've realized is actually quite a cultural thing I talk a lot about Asian Australians and the fact that Asian Australians can be criticized for not challenging 
um, authority enough and they get overlooked for leadership roles and all that kind of thing. Actually, it's to me, it's a strength if you're able to really tease out the, the, the things that even the quietest person in the room has to say. There's power in that and there's power in creating better solutions by, by doing so. So anyway, like it's kind of been, you know, thinking about what feels authentic and natural to me and, and taking power in that, but also through media. When I first got picked to go on Q&A, I had just turned 20, I think. And um, it was the first time I really had a platform to say what I wanted to say. And I, I remember I felt like I was at a crossroads because at the time I was thinking about going into public service and you've got to be really careful about what you say. You really can't take a strong stance in terms of the government. And I thought, well, I could take, keep, keep it real safe and say the kind of very like nice things, you can all agree, or I could just be honest. <laughs> and of course I had to go with being honest because how could I sit there with myself and say something that I didn't mean from the heart? And again, people can tell, people can feel that inside if you're not actually speaking your truth. Um, and so I did. And then I talked a lot about my family and my mother. And I think basically every answer I gave related to my life in some way, because being young, you know, again, we're shaped by lived experience necessarily over the qualifications, but I knew that's, you know, that felt natural and true to me. And I think to me, looking back, like I like to think it cuts through the noise of the political talk. If someone's like, okay, we're talking about inflation, but let's talk about how my family was only in like a one bedroom flat for like, you know, a while trying to deal with the cost of rent. That's a, that's something that's real. Like you can't put a political spin on that. You know, maybe you can, but to me, it was just, it was said. So I think that's kind of the first time that I, I realized that, Hey, you know, I was chosen to be here for a reason. I'm going to use it. Um, and kind of navigating through that and realizing that I admire lots of leaders, but it's never going to feel authentic if I just copy and paste what they do. It never will. I, I, Frankenstein it. I, yeah. I think it's when you talk, when you talk about having authoritative type leaders, whether they're the loudest person, it's, mm -hmm. Hey, the, all ideas are valid in the room and yeah. there, there is power in observation. But I think that, that it's really important that when we talk about it a lot is like kind is cool now. You know what I mean? Like yeah. everyone, everyone has a voice, everyone has ideas. And if you're leaving people out in the room is you're missing out on the brain power. Like what's the point of having 30 people in the room, but you're the only brain that's working. That's right. That's right. And people think that they do, but I think it's not. No, There's a big difference yeah. between actually yeah. listening to people in a room and going, that's a great idea. I'll take that on board. Exactly. That's exactly right. And that's what I think it, it comes down to culture. And it comes down to really embedding that in the organization or wherever you are, because it's one thing to say, all right, fair enough. But it's another thing to really value the importance of, of listening and, and understanding and really taking it in. And that was something that I learned through Youth Congress. Like we were creating, you know, mental health recommendations to the Minister for Youth. And yeah, one person could have you know, done it all, but there was actually real power in unpacking people's stories around what it felt like to interact with the system because not only could they talk about it, but it was like, oh, well, that's interesting that you say that, you know, Headspace and Mental Health Clinic is open 9am to 5pm and schools, you, you're at school 9am to 3pm. It doesn't make sense. Let's think about that. What can that mean in terms of like moving forward and our recommendations? So um, for sure, like it's actually it's genuine listening, not just pretending to. There's a, there's a lot big of you, difference too. Oh, just you saying that just made me think like young, more young people should do design thinking and around, you know what I mean? Like just the, the pr problem. perspective wise and like solving problems and 
just what you said there just yeah, resonated with me well it makes sense yeah yeah i i agree like i always say that like not only should young people be part of the co-design like i think y lab or like foundation for young australians they do cool work where i think it's like pairing like young people with organizations and organizations are like hey here's the problem we'd love we'd love to get your input and feedback and they like they go ahead and do that but i think that high schools really need to change the way that they're teaching and i just think it's such a shame to be always teaching students rote learning and i know that's not every subject but it's a hell of a lot of subjects at least from my experience and instead of saying you know this is what the information is it's okay this is the information but but like, what are you passionate about within this? What needs to be changed? What don't we know? What can we know? What does that look like? And really giving young people the tools to actually think innovatively younger. I think that there's a lot of you know, power in that because when young people go out into the workforce, they'll quickly realize it's not as simple as just finding a job. It's never that simple. <laughs> no. There's so much more. There's like a million layers. It, that's really how it is. So you can give young people the the confidence and bravery to really grapple with the unknown at a younger age, that's only going to create good things and, and good people and innovative solutions and, and all that good stuff. I'm excited for the future. Honestly, are you pumped? I'm actually pumped. You know, oh, a lot of people just say, you know, I'm, I'm hating getting old and all that stuff, but just learning and growing and listening to, and that's a big thing to get over. I think for a lot of people, like listening to younger people, I think, you know what I mean? Like, even I, even us, like you, you know, would you listen to advice? Like, who was it? Matty Rowell, who has had the headset on as a coach, as a first year footballer, telling a bloke who's been there for 10 years. And they were, there were memes about it. And they're like, what's he saying to this? You know what I mean? It was like, yeah. of course he blah, blah, blah. But it's like, no, this bloke's a gun. He's, you know what I mean? Like you need to shut up and listen, you yeah. know, like, and, yeah. and it just, and, and I think it's, yeah, it is a big mental barrier for a lot of people, but once they get over that and they realize and they actually action things, and they go, wow, that actually works. And that's a great idea. And this is amazing. What We need more of these people. I think you got to leave your ego at the door. You do. You got to leave your ego at the door. And when you put ideas out there, and like you mentioned before, it's like you're learning to share opinions. You're learning to say things. You're, you're putting yourself out there. Is that you, you sort of have to detach your ego. And I think that's in the, in the realm that we live in with our social media and how, like, how many opinions are actually out there. If you are too attached to the things that you're saying, it can, it can there's some serious, like, obviously that's how where mental health stuff stems from right is that you can be so afraid so nervous about putting yourself out there is that you're too i guess attached to what people think too attached to what people think you know like care less yeah care less just do everyone's mm. a bit everyone's a bit fucked up you know what i mean every everyone's <laughs> like that's that's the truth though you know what i mean so it's like people can judge all they want but everyone's fighting their own battles and everyone's gone through some sort of storm you know what i mean so yeah. and really coming from that perspective and just and being so busy, I think that you're just doing it and it, it just helps. I think. And if you live your value, if you're living according to your value, I think you, you spoke, like you mentioned before, Hey, I could go do this job. It might add to my toolkit, but if I'm not living who, who I am, I'm not like motivated my by soul, my yeah. intrinsic motivators. Yeah. I'm not, you're not serving my soul. Then how can I be happy with myself? How am I living my values? Exactly. You, you bring out your best in yourself if you can be. Yeah, I think so. I mean, for me, it's, it's, it's challenging because like, I like to think that when I go into problems, like, I create this space where it is safe to listen, but it's hard to like put it for me. It was hard to put my experiences out there and be so vulnerable and realize that I, I can call criticism. And that hurts, I guess, extra much because it's like, well, I put myself out here and it's already difficult. And to get people that are saying, you know, that, that disagree or, 
or, or whatever can be can be difficult and that's something that I kind of had to overcome but I also think that you know that there's when I talk about young people you know people say well you're just trying young people are too they're selfish and that you know we need to listen to all different kinds of people and I'm not saying we shouldn't the point is like there's actually power in listening to all different kinds of people young people and people but what I want to see is the bridge and I'm not seeing that like I'm seeing young people in a silo and older people in a silo and I'm not seeing the connection and collaboration and if anything like that's the way that we address these problems with whether it be climate or otherwise or just the big issues there has to be the space for collaboration so it's not saying that one voice deserves to be heard over the other but it's just creating a, a fair and and kind space i think for all kinds of people to be heard yeah i love that it allows for the diversity too so if you have a team makeup mixed of different races different people different ages oh. you get that diversity of thinking and it's it, that's where the world's different you know what i mean i don't live in a little bubble in in torquay you know what i mean like life <laughs> exists in greece in italy you know what i mean like and they live differently like the, the way they think about food's different. The way they think about animals are different. The way they think about life is different. No one's just, we don't all have the Imagine, imagine learning from everyone and just going, oh my God, I'm the most multicultural person on the planet. I, I literally know little pickpockets about everything. <laughs> like, how yeah. cool is that? That's, a, that's an awesome experience because you've touched so many different people in all walks of life, you know? Like, yeah. that, that's, something, well, that's something for me I hold personally valuable. You know what I mean? Like, I want to be 80 and go, well, you know, I, I really got along with everyone and, I'll, yeah, tell, I'll tell a story about Locke. My, Locke used to, at um, the Mooney Valley race course, um, there was a dude, uh, so my mum's my a school teacher and they, she's at a Catholic school and they had a, um, the, a, a, a nun that yeah. worked there. And the nun loved Locke. Locke. Locke was, and she still to this day asks about Locke, how is he, what's he doing? Oh, he's so nice. Oh, this, that. He loved, Locke would honestly chew the year off anyone. A mouthful of marbles underwater, he's still talking. Yeah, because like honestly, working at that place, there was a lot of older clientele, and like being twenty three, twenty four, I'm going out having a good time. All my mates are just having a, having a blast, but learning from older people as well and their experiences, and and really, and, and you like like you were saying, like it's not something I thought I'd ever li like listen so much about, like not something I'd pay much attention to. But it really, once I realised, I opened my ear up, and you know, there's grumpy people, there's happy people, whatever, but. <laughs> They've all got a story to tell and it all, it all makes, it's their perspective, it's their life, you know? And I think if you're interested in people and the psychology of people, it's just, it's an eye-opening experience. And like, I encourage people to listen to older people, younger people, every set at the table. But yeah, like you were saying, like people definitely need to listen more to younger people. <laughs> yeah, I remember when, um, I think one of the best conversations I've had this year is this woman called Cynthia Enlow. And she's this feminist scholar who lives in Boston and she's 81 years old. And she is like one of the best speakers I've ever heard. She's just clear as day. And she is like, when she says things, like she was talking about the way that, like the way that we use urgency to ignore gender equality. You know, we say, I think it's too urgent right now. COVID's too urgent. Situations are too urgent. We can't listen to women. And she, the way she made her points was, you could just tell the experience she's had to think about these things. She's seen wars. She's seen crisis. She's seen so many different presidents. Um, and it's own like the, her passion, I guess, for the cause as well. And like just her wisdom, it was like the, the chance I got to sit down and ask and just pick her brains. It just, it really inspired me, I think, because there's a, there's so much, it was, it was just so cool to really see how over her life she's seen so much and she's really stayed true to what she's passionate about. And that's creating a better world for women. And that's telling the stories of women. 
And I think there was just like, there was so much love in, in the room when she was speaking and with like, you know, so many other women because they, they saw, you know, everything that she's, she's seen and they really felt how special it is to, to hear that wisdom. So it goes both ways. It goes both ways. Oh, 100%. I'm, I'm picking up what you're putting down. <laughs> you're making a lot of sense. What do you do to unwind? What's fun? Yeah. What does fun look like? Yeah, well, you're letting your hair down. On a, it's a Saturday night. What are you doing? Are you hitting the books? I know that's what you're going to say, but what else <laughs> are you doing? Besides fun. the books. Besides the books. <laughs> the, hitting the books, I wish I could say it's fun, but a lot of it's trying to convince <laughs> myself to hit the books. I just think at the moment with COVID, there's not much that you know really can be done, but I think music is a really cool escape for me. And I'm kind of like into the, the music that I really love people that produce their own music and it sounds just kind of like it's just something different and I kind of like you know futuristic sounding like electronic music but music that you can you can tell like someone's just created it you know in their bedroom probably or just created it by themselves and are like putting sounds together and seeing what happens and I kind of feel like that's how my work looks like in a way like it's just putting sounds together and seeing if it makes sense and if it does that's like a cool song so yeah, I think a lot of it's just, you know, chilling, chilling with my friends and also doing that and just, I don't, I don't just taking some time to kind of be, be whatever, you know, be myself and not just think about always politics as, as much as I like to talk about it. It's definitely not all that I am. I love, I love that. What, give us some artists. You talk about futuristic sounds. Give us a couple that you're that are on your radar, um, on the rotation list. Without, without well, saying you're a Tyco, huh? Have you heard of Tyco? <laughs> Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. Oh, Tycho is amazing. Tycho is yeah. amazing. We had I've Saint been... Center on the podcast, man. Uh, um, it, it was unreal. But um, yeah. yeah, I loved, I loved Tycho's music. I've been listening to him since 2012 or something, whenever he's like, for yeah. a really long time. Yeah. They, that was a fantastic album. Um, I wish I could like give some names where it's like, Oh my God, this is super cool. But um, just some, like some niche ones, well, not niche, but just people have come across on Spotify. Like I think No Rome is cool. Misogi is cool. This one will get some judgment. I actually really like Grimes's music. Um, yeah. Elon, Elon Musk's partner. I know Grimes cops a lot of flag, but hey, Elon Musk's like- song is actually good. <laughs> I listened to it. I was like, this is going to be so shit. Obviously Grimes done it, like made it, but it was, I was actually like, oh, I'd vibe to this. If this, if this come out in an, in a nightclub, I'd, I'd dance. I reckon. <laughs> I just sound like I, I don't know if you guys can see, but this is actually a Grimes poster with Greta Thunberg over there. So I actually, I'm oh, a fan of Grimes. Yeah. So I, I find that she actually has she she has a crazy thought process. Like I can talk for length about how interesting she is. She she's really interested. I think she did a bachelor in like neuroscience or something yeah she's smart yeah so it was so the way that she makes music is really like it's just a crazy whole process but um her album miss anthropocene is talking about if like climate change was kind of humanized and what it would because we think we have like greek gods and things but if we have like a modern day god and what it might sound like it was crazy but that's the it was just cool to think about like i like music that makes you think about that kind of stuff 100 percent, because most of the time artists are a bit batshit crazy and their visions are cool you know what i mean so it's like hey like everything else has got out of hand why can't this be real you know what i mean like that's awesome like it's speaking to today's issues and like you were saying like the approach and the creativity it's inspiring and it's and it's even when you're chilling out listening to music you know yeah Do, do you get much of like the behind the scenes so, so when you consuming content and stuff i know for me lately it's more about not what the content is it's how they're doing it kind of thing like mm-hmm. and how they're expressing themselves how they're communicating is that something that goes through your mind as well yeah i i think so for sure like i i love the idea of taking what you see in the world and making it something beautiful from it 
and you know, even like things with Grimes. I was watching a documentary about her and I remember there was a scene where she was playing her song and it, she makes music that sounds a bit like otherworldly, right? So she was really in the zone and there were two people on the side of her and they could care less. They were her roommates and they were just like doing whatever and not listening. And she was totally there, so focused and so in, lost in the music. And I think that's what's like really cool about music is that it can really help you, I guess, look inwards into yourself and as humans, like we, we kind of crave to be heard, I think. So when we listen to that music and you feel something that resonates with you, like even Tycho, like when I think about his music, I can think about so many moments in my life. It makes me reflect on, on you know. It's the soundtrack what... to your life. It's the background exactly. music. It's the memories. It's the experience. It's human experience. That's what it's, right. it's hard to talk about when people don't really get it, but I feel yeah. like you're getting it and I'm loving it. No, hundred <laughs> percent. I, I actually prefer instrumental music usually over lyrics because it, it gives you the freedom to think about whatever you want. And your interpretation, like, your, your exactly. perspective on this background music and you're going, Oh my God, my life's a movie. Like yeah. daydreaming's fun. Take a day off and daydream. I'm telling you. Exactly. Exactly. Like usually I think we daydream like looking out the car window, but since I can't even do that in COVID, like at least I can go for my little government sanctioned walk for 10 minutes and like look at the sunset and just like have a think. And there's something beautiful about that. Yeah. The prison views are awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh. So what's on for the rest of the year for you? Besides once we hopefully fingers graduating. crossed. Graduating. Graduating next year though. When, when next, next year? year? Next year, I've got a little bit of time, yeah. So I've, I've got some time before graduation, unfortunately. So, well, maybe not unfortunately, but I've got some time. Um, yeah, I've got some exciting things coming up. I think not only with the board and kind of media stuff, um, doing more public speaking. So, you know, working with people to kind of expand that and, and see what happens. So that'll be interesting and hopefully kind of doing, yeah, doing more kind of formal public speaking work. And I'm also going to be doing this, it was meant to be in Saudi Arabia, but there's a there's a conference called the Girls 20 that's held with the G20 conference each year. So it's in Saudi this year. It's in different countries every year usually. And it's um, I'll be with, I think, 27 other young women representing different countries. So whether it's Spain all the way to, you know, UAE or all these kind of places and, and thinking about um, creating girls-led policy. And that policy gets shown to the, the top, you know, the, the political leaders at the G20, you know, so from all different kinds of countries and that and thinking about you know what what a girl's calling for and and what do we want the future to look like so um that's really exciting so unfortunately it's not going to be in saudi it's going to be over zoom so it's a bit less glam but like i think it will still be a, a cool still cool yeah and it goes awesome. back to that cultural thing and and yeah i talk a lot about young women but hey i'm just one young woman from one country i'd love to hear what other women from all different kinds of countries think about feminism i think it could look really different so i'm excited yeah. You should do a podcast. I'm telling you, you should honestly start a podcast. It would, go, it would go bananas. I want to start it. I want to start a bloody company now and sign you and just have different guests on because I don't know. I, I really, I've enjoyed this chat. Yeah. No, nah, honestly, I, I reckon you, if you wanted to be the next prime minister, you probably could. So <laughs> I'll be the prime minister of part-time podcaster. It'll be nah, full-time podcaster, part-time part podcaster, part -time right? yeah, like or on the board of advisory, you know, like. well, yeah, advising, just, <laughs> just like, advise yeah. the part. Yeah, yeah. We'll, have, we'll have Grimes and Tycho as the background music sometimes, oh. you know, do some painting a good, a good picture of the future for Locke. You'll love that. I'm telling you, start a podcast. It would be amazing. You, you, the, the depth of knowledge and I don't know, just the way you, you talk and how you get your message across is absolutely unreal. So if there's anything we can ever do to help you out or, you know, you've got, two supporters for life so 
Thanks, we're guys. so stoked to have you on and pick your brain and hopefully round two again soon. Um, maybe after you graduate and we can talk about how good that is. You can wear your hat. And, um, <laughs> can wear your hat. Yeah, and, yeah, and you can show us your toolkit, what you've learned. Yeah, yeah, toolkit. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Awesome. No, it's a pleasure to be with you guys. Thank you. Are we best friends now? We say that all the time, but I reckon we, I reckon we got it. I'm telling everyone we're friends. I'm telling everyone. I'll, I told mum, I go, I, just, I think I'm mates with the future PM. That's what I said. You guys became mates over your love of music. Yeah. Something that she touches on too. And uh, hey, she's human. You know, like this is a human element. You can see everything. Like, just yeah. good. If you're liking what we've been doing, um, just keep doing what you're doing, I suppose. Just keep listening, sharing, telling your friends. Things are ramping up. It's uh, Life's good on Planet Funny Business at the moment. And um, we've got some exciting things coming your way and yeah it's uh onwards and upwards onwards and upwards see ya